What is up, everybody? It's JT Sports, and I'm here with episode 12 of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, I'm going to be doing team previews for every single team in the AFC North. I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals as we head into the upcoming 2020 NFL season, which is only a couple of weeks away. Now, make sure that you guys, if you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that you guys go ahead and leave a five-star review on the podcast. It helps the podcast out a lot. Also, make sure that you guys go ahead and follow me on my social media pages, which is my Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Once again, my Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. And make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports on YouTube. As a Steelers fan, this is the most excited and most pumped up I've ever been for an NFL season. Because the Steelers have had a lot of criticism, a lot of critics, a lot of doubters. A lot of people say that the Steelers' reign of success is about to end. You see, a lot of people keep saying that the Steelers are old. They don't have enough weapons. So when we look at the offense and we look at the offensive line, a lot of people say this off the line is going to regress because it's old. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're going to be terrible. As we see with the New England Patriots, they take players who are past their prime and washed up in their old and get the most out of them. You want to know why? Because it's not all about talent all the time like people make it out to be. You see, the Steelers off the line, they basically have had the same stars on the off the line for the last couple of seasons. Which means they have a lot of chemistry and they're really good when it comes to communication which is two of the most important things when it comes to having a good off the line. You got to have a good center, which the Steelers still have with one of the Pouncey brothers, and they have good communication, which is another important thing when it comes to pass blocking as well, and also the Steelers were one of the best off the lines in the NFL last season. So the Steelers off the line, despite the fact that it may be old, considering the some people's standards, it's still going to be top 10. Regardless, because having a good offensive line isn't strictly based on talent. It's about communication, and it's about chemistry, and it's about having a good football IQ and a good knowledge of the game, where to go, who to block, when to pull, things like that. So the Steelers still have a top 10 offensive line heading into this season. Then people say the Steelers don't have enough weapons on offense. So what about Deontay Johnson? Deontay Johnson, if you watched the Pittsburgh Steelers last season, you would know that Deontay Johnson was the offensive MVP for the Steelers offense last season. He was the best player that the Steelers had on offense as a rookie, and he played injured. He played injured. And if Deontay Johnson was able to have that much success last season with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges throwing him the football, imagine what he's going to be able to do with Ben Roethlisberger coming back, who we will get into shortly. Then what about James Washington? James Washington led the Pittsburgh Steelers and receiving yards last year. James Washington made some really clutch plays and some really big plays for the Steelers down the stretch of some very marquee games. Where about Eric Ebron? The last time Eric Ebron played with a legitimate quarterback in 2018 with Andrew Luck, he was all pro. Yeah, he didn't do that much last season with the Indianapolis Colts, but that's because he got held back by Jacoby Brissett. What about the halfbacks? I know James Conner is like a fragile piece of glass. Every time he gets touched, he goes down for injury. But if he's able to stay fully healthy, he's a Pro Bowl caliber halfback, without a doubt. And not just that, you still got Benny Snell, who was a rookie last season. He ended up 2019 as the best halfback on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster behind James Conner. Then you still got Jalen Samuels. You pick up the rookie out of Maryland, Anthony McFarlane. So the Steelers have more than enough depth at running back. 
Now, the biggest question when it comes to Steelers is Juju Smith-Schuster and Ben Roethlisberger. Is Juju Smith-Schuster going to be able to bounce back from that season that he had last year, which was a really big disappointment, not just because he wasn't able to produce all that much on the field, but because he had a lot, he had a pretty big amount of games that he missed last season due to injuries. So with Ben Roethlisberger coming back, is Ben Roethlisberger even going to be the same quarterback to give Juju Smith-Schuster a chance to bounce back? Because Juju Smith-Schuster is in the contract year. He's going to get paid. A lot of people don't know that, but Juju Smith-Schuster could leave Pittsburgh after this season. And you see, the thing with Ben Roethlisberger is that a lot of people are making a lot of assumptions. A lot of people keep saying Ben Roethlisberger is going to regress. Who the hell are you to say that Ben Roethlisberger is going to regress? Are you a doctor? Do you have a PhD? Did you graduate from Harvard Medical School? I didn't know that we had a lot of people on ESPN and a lot of people on Fox Sports and a lot of people on YouTube that graduated college with medical degrees. You can't predict when a player is going to regress. It just happens. People have been saying that Tom Brady has been going to fall off a cliff for like the last four or five years. People have been saying that Drew Brees is going to regress. People have been saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to regress. Another those, those guys have regressed a little bit. They have regressed to the point that they're not going to be good at starting at all. You see, regression isn't something that you can predict. It just happens. So a lot of people are making these assumptions that Bill Roethlisberger is going to regress based on his injury, which was a season and an elbow injury. But we don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to just be absolute garbage, which I doubt. Even if Ben Roethlisberger does regress, he can't be no worse than what Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges were last season. So, for all you guys that's out there saying Ben Roethlisberger is washed up, Ben Roethlisberger is going to regress, you're only saying that because you haven't haven't seen Ben Roethlisberger play. How do you know Ben Roethlisberger is regressed? I know he struggled against New England, but the Steelers always struggled against New England. That was one of the best defenses in the NFL last season. Who didn't struggle against the New England Patriots? Tell me, who didn't struggle against New England Patriots? Tell me one team that just went into New England and just absolutely dotted them up. Absolutely just terrorized them. Other, it's only a handful of teams that actually manhandled New England last year and destroyed their defense. And one of those teams were the Baltimore Ravens. Not a lot of teams had a lot of success throwing the football and had a lot of success on offense against the New England Patriots. So a lot of you guys keep saying that Ben Roethlisberger fell off because, you know, his first two games last season weren't all that great. But that doesn't mean he fell off. Regression is not something that you can predict. It just happens. Then, not to mention, the Steelers still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Seems like a lot of people forget the Steelers had three All-Pros on defense last year. You got T.J. Watt, who should have won Defensive Player of the Year last year. I don't understand why Stephon Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year last year. But, hey, I'm not the one who decides who wins the awards. You still got T.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Looking to get one, looking to become one of the highest paid players in the NFL on the defensive side of football. You got Cam Hayward, who is one of the more versatile players in the NFL. He can play deep to end and he can play interior deep to line as well. He's going to be a free agent. He's coming up on the contract year. You got Meek Fitzpatrick, who when he came, turned around that Pittsburgh Steelers defense after he got traded from the Miami Dolphins to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got Terrell Edmonds, who's looking, who, who has been really solid. The last couple of seasons, he's been last season 2019 was Terrell Edmonds' best year as a pro. You got Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, who's one of the best one-two punches at the cornerback position. Both of those guys are top 15 corners. You got a really good linebacker unit led by Devin Bush. 
You got one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, on top of having one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Then on top of that, a lot of people have a lot of criticism to say about Mike Tomlin, but we don't like to give Mike Tomlin the credit that was deserved last season because Mike Tomlin was the best coach in the NFL. You see... A lot of people just look at how good a team is going to be based on their quarterback, but they don't look at everything else. They don't look at how good of a coach they have. They don't, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who watch football don't realize how much having a good coach matters. It doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you have if you have a bad coach. Mike Tomlin was the best coach in the NFL last year. He went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Dark Hodges as her as his starting quarterbacks. A lot of court, a lot of teams can't even win eight games with their starting quarterbacks. Matt Patricia, a lot of teams can't even win six games with their starting quarterback. So tell me this: Ben Roethlisberger coming back? Do you think he's going to be an upgrade from Mason Rudolph or Devlin Dark Hodges or not? Let me know. Because it seems like a lot of people don't think that. You see, I ask people, they'd be like, oh, Ben Rodgers come back, he's going to be all that big of an upgrade. So you're telling me that the Steelers offense, which ranked in the bottom of the NFL in every statistical category on an offense, is going to be significantly better without Ben Rodgers? Then they say, oh, I'm not saying that, JT. I'm just saying that we were last in every single stat on offense. We couldn't score in the red zone. Chris Boswell was our best, was our best scoring machine that we had on offense. Chris Boswell was our second best player on offense, and he doesn't even play offense. He is a field goal kicker. So, a lot of people under this narrative that the Steelers' success is finally going to end now. A lot of people are saying that the Steelers are going to have their first losing season in nearly two decades. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because this isn't a 7-9 team, and it dang sure isn't an 8-8 team. So, I mean, a lot of people... When you're so when you're so successful and you're so dominant for a long period of time, people like to, you know, when something small happens or when you face a little bit of adversity that you got to overcome, people like to say that because of that adversity, you're not going to be able to weather the storm and you're going to fall off. It's the same thing with Drake. It's the same thing with companies like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. When those companies have a little bit of a flunk and, you know, they have a little bit of a drought, a lot of people like to predict and say, oh, it's the end of Apple. It's the end of Microsoft. It's the end of Amazon. People just hate dominance. People hate uh, People hate success. People hate when you're successful for a long period of time. You see, people love to see you become successful, but people don't like to see you remain successful. And that's the thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You see, the same thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers is the same narrative that people have about the New England Patriots. They're old, they're washed up, and they don't have what it takes because they've been successful for so long. Everybody says, you know what, eventually it has to come to an end. And just like the thing when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger's regression, how do you know if it's going to come to an end? How do you know Ben is going to regress? You don't know that. You're not a doctor. You don't have a PhD in medicine. You didn't graduate from Harvard Medical School or any medical school like that. So, I mean, what makes you qualified to think that you can predict when somebody's going to regress? That's a prediction. That's not something that can actually happen. You can't predict when somebody's going to regress. It just happens. We've been saying that about Tom Brady for how many years now? But you see, the Steelers this season, at worst, should be 10-6. and six. At worst, 10-6. and six. Better, 12-4. and four. So, my expectations for the Steelers this year is 10-6 and six and to make it to the playoffs. I don't know about the rest of everybody else, but I'm not counting out the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're one of the best franchises in the NFL for a reason. 
every franchise that's successful in the NFL, or not just that, anybody that's successful at life has to be able to overcome some adversity, has to be able to overcome some road bumps, and I think that the Steelers are going to be able to do that this upcoming season in 2020. Now, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a lot better than what a lot of people think they are. A lot of people have the Cincinnati Bengals going 2-14, 3-13, and 4-12, and but I think the Cincinnati Bengals can win between 6 and 8 games. With Joe Burrow alone, the Bengals, I think, are going to be good enough with just having Joe Burrow on their team. I think he's going to be good enough to give them at least 3 or 4 wins automatically. Now, where those other wins come after those, I don't really know. But this Bengals team is a team that you can't overlook on your schedule. Because although they still have a good amount of holes on the roster, a good amount of question marks and weaknesses like the off the line, we don't really know how much improved the off the line is going to be. We don't know how the cornerback position is going to end up shaping up. And the linebackers are also questionable as well, although they did improve that position in the NFL draft by drafting Logan Wilson and getting a King Davis gather. But we don't know how good those guys actually are going to be. But what I do know for starters is that the Cincinnati Bengals have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And one of the more overlooked and underrated defensive lines that a lot of people don't really talk about because they get overshadowed by the Boston Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers who also have two of the best defensive lines in the NFL. It's easily to overlook how good the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line is because you're playing in a division in the AFC North that has basically every single team in this division has some really good defensive lines. So it's really easy to overlook how good this Bengals defensive line is. But you look at Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins has been the second most underrated player of this past decade behind T.Y. Hilton. Several All-Pros, several Pro Bowl appearances. Dude is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. You also got Carlos Dunlap. You also got Sam Hubbard, who had a breakout season last year. Got Carl Lawson. I mean, this defensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals is absolutely stacked. Plus, you bring in DJ Reader from Houston, who I've been hearing a lot of good things about from the Cincinnati Bengals training camp. So, I mean, this Cincinnati Bengals defensive line is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And a lot of people may not realize how good this defensive line actually is because it's easily... It's easy to overlook how good it is because you got the Ravens and the Steelers as well who have two good defensive lines. But this defensive line, I think, is going to be the biggest strength of this defense. Then you got to look at the additional Von Bell in the back end of that second day. With Jesse Bates, I think they're going to end up having one of the best safety, safety combos or one of the best safety duos in the NFL in the next two, three seasons with Von Bell and Jesse Bates. I really like both those guys paired up. And Jesse Bates is already on his way to come with one of the best safeties in the NFL. I think Jesse Bates could be in for a Pro Bowl caliber season this year. Now you look at the offense. If you're a Bengals fan... You're just crossing your fingers and you're praying to God that this offensive line is at least good enough to help you win at least a few amount of games. Now, the offensive line should be a little bit improved because you bring back offensive lineman Jonah Williams, who didn't even play a single game last season. He suffered a, he suffered a season-ending injury before the season even started. So you're bringing him back. Hopefully, he should improve your offensive line just a little bit. Then you got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has a pretty fast release. He's able to get the ball out pretty fast. Now, even though you do have a pretty fast release, that still doesn't go to hide the fact that if your offensive line isn't great, it just isn't going to be great. It doesn't matter how fast you get the ball off, you're still going to take a good amount of hits. So if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you've been saying this all offseason, the offensive line, you're just hoping it's at least average. But even if this offensive line is average, 
Being average is going to help you win a lot of games in the AFC North. It's going to take a lot more than just having the average offensive line to win games in the AFC North because you got three other teams that have pretty good defensive lines as well. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, your biggest question mark on the offensive side of the football is your offensive line. Now, the offensive line plays at least average. I think you're in for a pretty good season. Now, this offensive line disappoints, and it's just as bad as what it was last season. This is going to be a pretty long season. Now, other than the off the line, the Bengals have a lot of weapons. And, you know, there was a false narrative about the Cincinnati Bengals heading into the NFL draft and after this, the NFL draft that they didn't have enough pieces around Joe Burrow for him to be successful. And I was just looking at people who were saying that, and I was just scratching my head. I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, A.J. Green coming back, playing under the franchise tag, looking to prove that he's still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, looking to get a new contract in his career in Cincinnati. I think that's a weapon. Then you also got Tyler Boyd, who has been one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL over the last two seasons. When A.J. Green's injury, when he wasn't on the field, guess who was stepping in? Tyler Boyd. A lot of people, when A.J. Green went down, said that the Bengals were in trouble because they didn't have a true number one wide receiver. Well, Tyler Boyd has filled that role perfectly for the last two seasons. So then you bring in T. Higgins, the rookie out of Clemson. You got John Ross, who a lot of people are quickly call John Ross a bust, but a lot of you guys don't know, John Ross, before he got injured, or when he was on the field, had over 500 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns as well. If John Ross would have played the whole entire season, I think he probably could have had at least 900 yards. So John Ross is able to stay healthy. I think he doesn't end up playing like a bust if he's able to stay on the field. The thing with John Ross is that he can't stay healthy. Not that he's just not a good player, because when he's on the field, he has made some pretty big plays for the Cincinnati Bengals based on what we saw last season. The thing that's holding back John Ross is just the fact that he can't stay healthy. So if he's able to stay healthy, he's able to stay on the field, that's another weapon for Joe Burrow. Then you also got Joe Mixon in the backfield. Joe Mixon has had two back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons playing behind some lackluster offensive line play over the last two seasons. So Joe Mixon is able to have 1,000-yard rushing seasons behind uh, not-so-good offensive line. Not just last season, but the season before that. I think he's going to be in for a breakout season, even this season. I think maybe he could end up having a 1,200-yard season and becoming a Pro Bowler this season with the addition of Joe Burrow. Because when you have Joe Burrow, that means that teams just can't stack the box and say, hey, we're going to try to stop Joe Mixon. Now that you got Joe Burrow back there along with Joe Mixon, teams can't stack the box anymore and just game plan stop Joe Mixon because now you actually have a more than capable quarterback back there. And Joe Burrow. So, I mean, the things with the Cincinnati Bengals is that you have a pretty a pretty tough schedule. And you also are playing in one of the toughest, if not the toughest division in all the NFL, which is the AFC North. Every team in the AFC North is better than what they were last season. The Bengals are better, but the Browns are better. The Browns improved the offensive line. The Browns have improved on the defense side of the football. The Steelers are going to be better. You got Ben Rosberger back. You pick up Eric Ebron. You make a few additions on the defense side of the football as well. You got the Baltimore Ravens, who a lot of people feel the Baltimore Ravens could go 19-0 and just sweep their way throughout the whole entire NFL and easily win the Super Bowl. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I know a lot of you guys say that, oh, we went to the playoffs when Andy Dawn was a rookie. Yeah, but you got to look at the state of the AFC North then. You had two good teams back then. You had the Steelers and you had the Ravens. Now you got the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns. Who I know a lot of you guys are quick to say that the Browns suck and blah, blah, blah. But just because a lot of people got to stop living the past. Just because a team has been bad for a pretty long time doesn't mean they're going to be bad forever. And the Browns on paper have a really good team. 
So this is a really tough division that the Cincinnati Bengals are in. And I know a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans were saying that, oh, we can make it to the playoffs. We made it to the playoffs of Andy Dalton. Yeah, as a fan, you're going to expect that. But if we're being realistic, the playoffs for the Cincinnati Bengals is an absolute long shot when you look at that offensive line play. And I know a lot of people say, oh, what about Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson? They go to the playoffs every year with bad off-the-line play. But you got to look at their division. The South still has played in a division that's pretty weak for the last couple of seasons. You got to look at the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans have played in the AFC South. The AFC South has been one of the weakest divisions in the NFL for over the last five to six years. You're playing in the AFC North. You're playing in a division that has some of the best offensive lines, or not just some of the best offensive lines in the NFL, but some of the best defensive lines in the NFL. So, I mean, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, the playoffs are a pipe dream. Now, is it possible that you can make it to the playoffs? Yeah, it is. But the chances of the Cincinnati Bengals making it to the playoffs are really slim. The same chances of the Cincinnati Bengals making it to the playoffs this season are the same chances that my grandma has winning the lottery. Not all that high. So if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I'm not saying that you don't have a chance to make it to the playoffs, but I'm just saying that it is going to be incredibly difficult for you to make it to the playoffs. And I know a lot of you guys say, oh, we made it to the playoffs with Andy Dalton, but you made it to the playoffs with Andy Dalton with a really good offensive line. You're looking at the offensive line with Andy Dalton that had a lot of players that were really good. A lot of Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen when Andy Dalton was playing his first few seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now look at this offensive line now. This isn't the same offensive line you had back in 2011. This is one of the, this is one of the weakest offensive lines that we have in the NFL right now. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, the applause right now seems like a long shot for you. You got a lot of things that you got to work on, a lot of positions that you have to improve on, especially the linebacker position. The linebacker position was one of the biggest holes and one of the worst in the NFL. Now the linebacker you not think should improve tremendously with the addition of Logan Wilson and uh, King Davis Gather, but still, these guys are rookies. We don't really know how good they're actually going to be because we haven't seen these guys suit up in a real NFL regular season game. But overall, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be better than what a lot of people expect them to be. I think they could win six or eight games, maybe seven in between there. But I think the Bengals are going to be better than what a lot of people are expecting them to be. A lot of people are expecting the Cincinnati Bengals to be one of the worst teams in the NFL once again. But I think this Cincinnati Bengals team is better than what a lot of people and a lot of experts and analysts are giving them credit for. When we look at the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens seem to be the media's pick to win the Super Bowl. And a lot of people in the national media feel like the Baltimore Ravens are good enough to go 16-0 and even 19-0. Not only do a lot of people feel that they can go undefeated in the regular season, but they feel they can mop the floor for everybody in the playoffs and finish this season with a 19-0 record. Now, if you were to ask me, because I don't like doing Super Bowl predictions this early. But if you had to give me two teams right now off the top of my head who I felt had the best chance to match up with each other in the Super Bowl, it would be the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. I believe the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, and I believe that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC as of right now. Now, do the Ravens have a good team? Yes, they do. I feel they have the best team in the AFC. But do they have... The team to go 19-0, 16-0 throughout the regular season. And I feel like a lot of people, when you look at teams that go 15-1, 16-0 in the regular season, the majority of those teams that do that do it in weak divisions. The New England Patriots, when they went 16-0, they were playing in the AFC East. The Panthers, when they went 15-1 in 2015, they were playing in a weak NFC South. 
So when you look at teams that go 15 and 1, 16 and 0 in the regular season, you got to look at how weak is the division. When you look at the Boston Ravens, although they are a good team, they're playing in the toughest division in the NFL, which is the AFC North. The Bengals are a better team. The Cleveland Browns are a better team. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a better team. All three of those teams, well, besides the Bengals, you can make a legitimate argument that the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers both are playoff caliber teams. And when you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the only question about the Pittsburgh Steelers is how good is Ben Roethlisberger going to be? The Steelers, if you take away the question that they have at quarterback with how good Ben Roethlisberger is going to be, you're looking at a team that from top to bottom is one of the more complete teams in the NFL. The Steelers, besides from the quarterback question, is one of the more complete teams in all of football. It's not one positional weakness that you can name on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Browns have some more significant weakness like linebacker, Mac Wilson, we don't know the timetable for his return. We don't really know how they're looking at in the back end of their secondary at safety with Grant Delpit suffering a big major injury as well. So the Browns are a really good team, but they have some question marks. But this AFC North division, my point is, is that this is a really tough division. The Ravens went 14-2 in a division that was lackluster. Now the question is, are they going to be able to go 16-0 against the toughest division in football? Because every team in this division is going to be really tough. Even the Bengals. I believe that the Bengals could prove to be a tough outing. Despite, you know, the fact that they're a young team and they do have bigger holes than the majority of the teams in this division. But the Bengals could pose a challenge. Now, they're going to pose a challenge to the Ravens. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. The AFC North is a really tough division. So, if the Ravens go 16-0 throughout the regular season in this division... They, without a doubt, are Super Bowl contenders. And without a doubt, they are my favorite to win the Super Bowl if they do go 16-0 in this division. But will they be able to? I believe that to be unlikely. Now, the Ravens do have a really good team, don't get me wrong. I believe that a lot of people, like what they what they do with everybody else, they try to project things. And a lot of people are projecting and predicting that Lamar Jackson is going to have a letdown of a season coming off a pinnacle 2019 season, which I believe that's not going to happen. You see, like I said, in my Pittsburgh Steelers preview, everybody likes to predict who's going to regress. And a lot of people, when you ask how good Lamar Jackson is going to be, everybody keeps saying that Lamar Jackson is bound to get injured. He's going to get injured. He's going to take his ACL. He's going to be the next RG3. Lamar Jackson has yet to miss the NFL game since he's been announced the full-time starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. He's never missed a game in college neither. So if Lamar Jackson has been fairly healthy so far throughout his NFL career, never missing a regular season game, I don't really see why people feel the need to predict injuries. That's the only reason that people use for Lamar Jackson regressing this because, oh, JT, he's going to get injured. You can't predict injuries. You can't predict when a player is going to regress. And even then, a lot of people like to use the excuse of, oh, JT, people have been having all offseason with the prep for this Baltimore Ravens offense. And like I've been saying in almost every single video concerning the Baltimore Ravens, just because you game plan for something, you prep for something all offseason, doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop it. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Just because you think that you have the game plan to stop this Baltimore Ravens offense doesn't mean you're going to be able to execute it because everybody has to have the team being able to stop this Ravens offense. And a lot of people don't have the personnel to stop this Ravens offense. 
like the New England Patriots, for example. Do you think that Bill Belichick, when he got dominated by the Ravens last season, that he didn't have a good game plan to stop Lamar Jackson? I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick is basically the Batman of the NFL. You give if you give Bill Belichick time to game plan and time to prep for you, he's going to more the majority of the time be ready. But the Patriots in that case were unprepared in that game because. Even though they had a good game plan to stop Lamar Jackson, they weren't able to execute it because they didn't have the personnel and they didn't have the team equipped to stop Lamar Jackson. So everybody wants to say that all oh, Lamar Jackson and Ravens are going to take a step back. But I mean, not everybody's going to have the team like a Tennessee or Los Angeles Chargers to stop the Baltimore Ravens. And when you look at his offense, this is an offense that really didn't lose nobody. They still pretty much had the same offense besides from the big loss of officer guard Marshall Yonder, who is a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best offensive linemen of the past decade. So that's going to be a loss. So who's going to replace them? But other than that, you still have the same team that you had from last year. Then you improve the running back position. You bring in Mark Ingram 2.0 and J.K. Dobbins. Then you still have, you know, um, a really good group of tight ends. You got Mark Andrews, who is debatably one of the best tight ends in the NFL. You got Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who could have a breakout season. You got a very good group of young wide receivers who are looking on the come up. Then on the defense side of the football, I know when the Baltimore Ravens let go of Earl Thomas, a lot of people were freaking out and things like that. But there's no need to freak out because you have Deshaun, the Joker, the Joker Elliott, who's going to be replacing Earl Thomas. And if you're a fan of the channel, you will know that I've been a big Deshaun Elliott fan Ever since he was coming out of that draft a couple of years ago, I asked who one of my picks was still to take Deshaun Elliott. I believe that Deshaun Elliott is going to have a Pro Bowl caliber season. And the thing with Deshaun Elliott is that Deshaun Elliott has always had a really good training camp, a really good preseason. It's just the fact when the regular season rolls around, he's not healthy. So Deshaun Elliott is able to stay healthy. I don't think the Baltimore Ravens are going to miss a beat with Deshaun Elliott replacing Earl Thomas. And even without Earl Thomas, this is still one of the best secondaries in the NFL. You can make the case and say that this is the best secondary in the NFL from a talent standpoint. I mean, you got Humphrey. You got Marcus Peters. I mean, you got a lot of depth at the secondary position. Not to mention that this is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Derek Wolf, Matthew Judon, Calais Campbell. Then the linebacker position, which was pretty much the biggest weakness that the Ravens had last season, they addressed that. They get Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, two rookies who a lot of people have been giving high praise to throughout Baltimore Ravens camp. So this is the Baltimore Ravens team that if I had to pick one team from the AFC that I feel had the best chance of making it to the Super Bowl, it most likely will be the Baltimore Ravens. And you see a lot of people think that the Ravens are going to take a step back but I don't really see that. And if they do take a step back, I don't think they take a step back to the point that they don't make it to the playoffs at all. And they take a step back, they probably go from 14-2 and two last year to, at worst, 12-4. and four. But we're being realistic. I think the Ravens are still the best team in the AFC. Now, are the Ravens going to go undefeated? I highly doubt that. Because this is a really tough division. You don't really see a lot of teams have 15-1, records and tough division. And I mean, that's not taking anything away from the Ravens. I still feel the Ravens are a really good team. But 16-0, you got to have a lot of things in your favor to go undefeated in the regular season. One of those has to be playing in a weak division, and the AFC North is just a really tough division. But when you look at this Ravens team, this, in my opinion, this is the best team in the AFC, top to bottom. Not really a lot of holes, only question marks.
The only question marks we really have is how good is Sean Elliott going to be when it comes to replacing Earl Thomas? Or is he going to be able to stay healthy? And how good are Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison going to be in their rookie season? So those are really the only big questions that we have about the Baltimore Ravens. They still have the same staff set in place, same D coordinator, same offensive coordinator. Greg Roman, this is probably going to be a really pinnacle year for Lamar Jackson under Greg Roman because now we're going to see what Greg Roman is going to be able to do going into year two as the offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, if you're a Ravens fan, you have to feel pretty confident about the Ravens being able to compete for the Super Bowl. Without a doubt, the sum of this preview, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC. Now, are they the best team in the NFL? Maybe. But I do think that the Ravens do have a good chance to have the same success that they had last season and go a little bit further. Now, the only question is, when it comes to Lamar Jackson is, can Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team get it done in the playoffs? Because Lamar Jackson is still only two in the playoffs. And, you know, quarterbacks get defined. Your legacy isn't based on what you do in the regular season. Legends are made in the playoffs. That's why we consider Eli Manning the Hall of Famer. Because he was able to elevate his game in the playoffs. It didn't matter how bad he played in the regular season. We knew when the playoffs rolled around, you was getting the best version of Eli Manning. So if you're Lamar Jackson, you're this Boston Ravens team, we already know, we already expect them to dominate the regular season. Even if they don't go 16-0, they still should have one of the best records in the NFL. But the question is, can they get it done in the playoffs? And we already know, your legacy is defined by what you do in the playoffs. So here we go with my last team that I have to preview for the AFC North. is the Cleveland Browns. And it is true what they say. People say that history repeats itself. And when you look at the Cleveland Browns, that statement holds to be true. Because last season in 2019, heading into the 2019 season, everybody had high expectations for the Cleveland Browns. Including me, I felt the Cleveland Browns could make it to the playoffs. I mean, you had Baker Mayfield coming off one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen from a rookie quarterback. He had a new head coach in Freddie Kitchens. And, I mean, you had a really good offseason, a really good draft. So, it was a lot of high expectations for the Cleveland Browns taking into the 2019 NFL season. And they didn't even come close to those expectations. They failed miserably. The offensive line was worse than what we expected. Baker Mayfield suffered a sophomore slump because he got complacent. And Freddie Kitchens proved that he wasn't a great head coach. So, now, once again, the Cleveland Browns have the same scenario playing out heading into the 2020 NFL season. They have a great offseason. You bring in Austin Hooper, Jack Clocklin in free agency. Then you also pick up Dredrick Willis in this past year's NFL draft. So you have a pretty good offseason, right? Then you bring in a new head coach in Kevin Stefanski, who was really impressive when he was calling plays for Minnesota. Got the most out of Kirk Cousins in that offense. And I mean, on paper... This has potential to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. You got Odell Beckham, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Kareem Hunt, you got Nick Chubb, you got Dredrick Willis, you got Jack Coughlin, um, you got Baker Mayfield, who should look to bounce back from his sophomore slump. You got Odell and Jarvis Landry, two of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. Also one of the best tight end duos in the NFL with Austin Hooper and David Njoku. So, I mean, when it comes to Kevin Stefanski, he basically has to play college dream with all the talent that he's going to have at his disposal on offense. Now, the question when it comes to Kevin Stefanski is, not only is, is he a good coach because we've never seen him become a head coach before in the NFL at all, but he has a pretty tough task because he has to manage the personalities of the Cleveland Browns team. 
especially on the offensive side of the football. And you got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, who are two of the biggest personalities in the NFL. And both of these guys demand the football. You got two ball-hungry wide receivers. And when you look at Kevin Stefanski's offense, the majority of the time is basically two wide receiver sets with a lot of tight ends on the field. And we saw the dilemma that he had in Minnesota with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs at certain points of the season last year. Both those guys were unhappy with their role in the offense. Stephon Diggs was unhappy at one point, and Adam Thielen was unhappy at one point. So you look at Jarvis Landry and Odell, how is Kevin Stefanski going to be able to handle that? Because it seems like no matter how much you get those guys involved, if you're not winning games and you're losing, those two guys are going to be unhappy. So you got a lot of personalities that you got to manage for Kevin Stefanski. And it's really tough for your first-year head coach you have a great team, but you have a lot of big personalities in that locker room. Then on the defense side of the football, we know how good Cleveland is on offense. But this defense, um, the defensive line is really good. I like this defensive line. I really like Miles Garrett. If Miles Garrett never bought Mason Rudolph on the noggin with his helmet, he probably would have won defensive player of the year last season. But he ended up getting suspended indefinitely. Then you also got Olivier Vernon. Now, Olivier Vernon is a guy who I've been telling a lot of Browns fans ever since last offseason that he was overrated. And he proved me right last season because he didn't do deadly squat. He was a major letdown. So how good is Olivier Vernon going to do this year? Is he going to prove to me once again that he is one of the most overrated players in the NFL? Or is he going to show up and actually play up to the level of that contract that he's, that he's getting paid? So then... Your question also lies with, you know, the defensive line is pretty good. The cornerback position is pretty good. You got Denzel Ward, who is able to, if he's able to stay healthy, he's a pro bowler without a doubt. Then you got Greedy Williams. Now, Greedy Williams has some highs and he has some lows. Most of the time, he had a lot of lows. Greedy Williams got picked on a lot his rookie season. Now, Greedy Williams can bounce back and at least be, you know, halfway decent or a little bit better than what he was in 2019. Then I think Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams can make a pretty good cornerback tandem. Now, here are the two biggest weaknesses that the Cleveland Browns have on defense. Linebacker and the back end of the secondary, which is safety. Now, linebacker was already one of the biggest question marks heading in the training camp that we were looking forward to seeing how Cleveland would address. Because you lost Joel Schobert and free agency who signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And basically, your best linebacker is Mac Wilson. And as we already know, if you've been keeping up with the Cleveland Browns, Mac Wilson is injured. We don't really know the timetable for his return. So you lose your best linebacker on top of not really having that great of a group of linebackers already. So now that's going to be a major question mark that the Cleveland Browns have to get figured out. And not having a great group of linebackers can really come back to haunt you regardless of how great of a defense you have. You go back and you look at the Baltimore Ravens, their linebacker unit was uh, one of the worst. In the, well, I wouldn't say it was one of the worst, but it wasn't all that great. And we really saw that come to haunt the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, playoff games versus the Tennessee Titans. The linebackers really stood out in that game. So having a not-so-great group of linebackers can really hold back a defense. And, you know, the secondary is also a question mark as well because Grant Delpit, the guy who we expected to be one of those starting safeties for the Browns, he's out as well with an injury. So then that means to be the question. You got Celtic Wick, Ronald Carl Joseph. Who's going to start there at those safety spots? We don't really know. So safety and linebacker are the two biggest questions that we have when it's concerning this Cleveland Browns defense. But overall, this is a Cleveland Browns team that you can make an argument once again this offseason that they can make it to the playoffs. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's the Cleveland Browns, man. Listen, 
not everybody can be terrible forever. And that's what a lot of people have to stand, have to understand. Just like the end of that, teams can't be great forever. Eventually, everything comes to an end. So, could this be the year that the Cleveland Browns finally, you know, get over the hump and finally make it to the playoffs? Because they haven't made it to the playoffs ever since 2002, which was the year I was born. So, in my 18 years being alive, I've never once seen Cleveland make it to the playoffs. So, is this the year they make it to the playoffs? I mean, I think it's likely even though they are playing in a pretty tough division with the Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. But, I mean, I think the Cleveland Browns could get this AFC North back to their former days of glory because a lot of people seem to forget that at the start of the past decade, the AFC North was one of the few divisions in NFL history to have three teams make it to the playoffs on four straight years in a row. You had the Bengals, you had the Steelers, and you had the Ravens who were all making it to the playoffs consecutively. So, can the Cleveland Browns get the AFC North back to that level when they could have three teams in the playoffs at once? Now, look, I know games aren't played on paper, but you look at this Cleveland Browns roster, at least on the offensive side of football, this is a playoff caliber team. Now, the question is, Kevin Stefanski. Can Kevin Stefanski prove that he is finally the head coach that the Cleveland Browns have been searching for for the last 18 years? Because the Cleveland Browns have basically been playing Russian roulette when it comes to hiring new head coaches, they also play Russian roulette with the front office. So can Kevin Stefanski finally be the man who can set a culture and set a tone in that locker room? Can he be a guy that can demand the respect of his players? Because I don't think Freddie Kids has really had a lot of respect from his players. And it showed because a lot of players basically said whatever they wanted to. And it seemed like they just walked all over Kevin Stefanski or uh, uh, Freddie Kitchens, excuse me. It seemed like Freddie Kitchens had no control over that locker room. If the Cleveland Browns want to be successful this season, um, Kevin Stefanski has to be able to demand control of that locker room. Now, I really like his offense because his offense plays to Baker Mayfield's strength, which is play action. Baker Mayfield, although he did this point last season, was one of the best play action passers in the NFL. And when you look at all the success that Kevin Stefanski had when he called play action with Kirk Cousins in that Vikings offense, it voted well for Minnesota. Then you also got a really good group of halfbacks. You got Nick Chubb and you got Kareem Hunt, which basically you can, you know, choose whoever and you can get pretty solid production. So, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to make it to the playoffs, but I do think that they have a pretty good possibility of making it to the playoffs this season. So you guys let me know what you guys think about the Cleveland Browns because I think the Browns are a really interesting team this season because, once again, this is a team that has a lot of talent, but as we know, games are played on paper. Another thing that's going against the Cleveland Browns is that with this pandemic that has been going on, it has cut this offseason short. Training camp is winding down. You pretty much have only had three to four weeks to prepare for the NFL season, and you got the Browns to learn a new system under Kevin Stefanski. So are they going to be able to learn enough of the offense come week one that they're going to be able to, you know, not look rusty? And how long is it going to take for this Cleveland Browns offense and Baker Mayfield and the rest of these guys to master this Kevin Stefanski playbook? So the Cleveland Browns are one of the more interesting teams heading into the 2020 NFL season. 